Oh, the shadows are turning around, you know. Love's shining on you. This is going to be a very special day. Can't wait to celebrate with you Independence Day. Beautiful. See the kids out there. Uh, I want to take about just a very short time. I don't want to hold you. But I'm going to speak here in just a few moments. And then after, I'm going to pray a special prayer. And there's going to be an incredible release of the blessings of God in your life. You are going to a new dimension of your faith today and your journey. It's promotion time. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Promotion time. How many is ready for a promotion? Glory to glory. Faith to faith. Amen. Are you ready for this? Now look. Pam and I brought a gift here. Uh, we want, because you have been so good to us. We've been here so many times. And, and uh, through the great leadership of Bishop and Jerry Hurd and, and Pastor Andrew and, and uh, uh, Maddie and, and this incredible ministry team, this leadership that I've known so many years, you, you've been so good. And I just appreciate that. And, you know, I said, Pam, let's, we were blessed. She said, well, let's take, let's take a bunch of CDs and give them away. And that's what we've done here today. Uh, there's only one asterisk. Uh, we gave them all out in the first service. But you know what? Pam said, we're mailing two or three boxes when we get home. So we're going to mail these CDs to inspire and this is for you. We're not here to sell anything. We are giving you this. This is for you, okay? And the reason why we chose these two, because these are, of all the CDs I've recorded, I think these probably mean so much to me. This is called The Glorious Here. I wrote a song when I was with Benny Hinn at his crusade in Las Vegas. I was sitting on the platform beside Benny. And when he took over and began to preach and, and the miracles began to happen, I witnessed a nine-year-old boy walk about a foot from me who was completely blind and he received his sight. And I wrote the song, The Glory is Here, out of that. So this is for you today. This, this CD means so much to me. It's got all these songs. And uh, let me just peek here. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Ashes in the Rain. Here's my heart. Remember us? I told you about David Huff getting the Holy Spirit under uh, evangelist. Heard them. David and I wrote a song called Here Is My Heart that was number one all over the world. Like I said, not only on the Christian charts, but on the rock and roll charts all over the world. Went to number one. And that song is on here. I recorded it and sang it. And boy, I'll tell you, I'm looking at myself. And boy, that was a while ago because I had hair. And I was pretty debonair back there. Man alive, that was just... uh, and somebody told us, somebody said, yeah, yeah, it's done. I ain't going there. But that's, that's for you. So we will be putting uh, these in the mail and sending these to you right away, okay? So make sure you they announce it and you can go pick up your CD. Get it one per family if that's all right so other people can enjoy it too. Uh, I want to talk to you for a few moments here this morning. I'm watching the clock. In 1220, I'm going to turn it over to the bishop, and uh, he's going to come, and then I'm going to pray a special prayer over you, and I told you this is promotion day. But I just would like for you to just uh, open your heart, uh, and I'm going to talk to you just for very short moments. And I titled this, uh, Not Possessed by Possessions. 
Okay? Now, there's a beautiful verse, a, a, a love verse, very short. And it's about this, it's about a, a, a woman saying how she feels about her husband. And it says in Song of Solomon 2 and verse 16, it says, My beloved is mine, and I am his. He feeds his flock among the lilies. Look at that first line. My beloved is mine, and I am his. Now, I, I told Pam last night, I said, when I come home, I said, I, I, got, a, I, got, a, I got a new term for you. And, and it just dropped out of heaven. I didn't hear it on the radio, but it was just God just gave it. I said, you're my dream queen. That, that's pretty cool. My dream queen. You know, I'm not saying I'm, I got a trademark or I can put a patent on that, but that's, that's who she is to me. Okay. So my beloved is mine and I am his. Everybody say mine. Now let me ask you something. What? What do we really mean when we hear that word mine spoken? Like when, what do we really mean when we say about a person or an object? We say, you're mine. Or that's mine. What do we really mean? And I would suggest that we mean that it has become an extension that he or she or it is an extension of our personality. And whatever is passed on down to you becomes a piece of history for your future. For instance, when your parents gave you something, right? They gave you some things that was theirs. They were saying, this is mine, but I'm giving it to you. And through giving it to you, I'm an extending a part of my personality to you. Now, there are people that have had tough upbringings and and they 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 find it hard to really grow in self-confidence and grow in in the stature that they were created to grow so when somebody's personality is stunted or or starved because of uh, some abuse that they received in one direction then many times compensation is made or overcompensation is made in another direction. And it's very important that you and I do our best to understand these kind of people and try to understand uh, to the extent on what they have been deprived of love and the opportunities they have been deprived of. You know, we blame the hoarder, right? And we we criticize the overambitious young man or, or woman, uh, but to understand is to forgive. Do you know that some people have been so amputated in their personalities, in the development of their personalities, that it's really no surprise that they make an overcompensation to accumulate things just to be able to say, this is mine. You watch the development of a child from, uh, you know, a growing up and and through his youth and through their adulthood you you can you can watch that mind phrase that mind principle being developed from the time your your little boy or girl goes to play and you hear terms from them that's my friend she's my best friend he says he's my buddy and then it goes on to 
this is my girlfriend. This is my boyfriend. This is my fiance. And then this is my husband. This is my wife. And uh, I think sometimes uh, it may be that half unconsciously we choose somebody and uh, the kind of person who offers what we lack in our personality. That's why opposites do attract. I believe that. You know, one wealthy man was so wealthy and uh, he stood on the balcony of his 20,000 square foot multi-million dollar mansion and he had a friend visiting him and he just pointed, he said, he said, everywhere your eyes can see all this property, the mountains, the trees, the forest, he said, it's mine. And his friend asked him, he said, when you say the word mine, what comes to your mind? What word comes to your mind? And the man replied, worry. Worry. You see, the man had extended his personality in a such a way that it brought him more worry than it did happiness. See, money and things, they're not going to provide the happiness that you're looking for. Because your being is greater than that. Your purpose is greater than that. But let me read you in a, a lovely, lovely quote from a man named Richard Jeffries when he wrote. He was, when he gave this quote, he was uh, in desperate poverty. He was dying with tuberculosis, suffering from distress and pain. But listen to this attitude. Listen to what he wrote on his deathbed. He said, every blade of grass was mine as if I had planted it. All the grasses were my pet. I love them all. Perhaps that is why I've never had a pet. Why keep pets when every wild hawk that passed over my head was my, mine? I see the I see the lark chase the mate over the low stone wall of the plowing field to battle with his high crested rival to balance himself on trembling wings just yards above the earth. And hear him out of that sweet little loving kiss, as it were of song. Oh, happy, happy days, so beautiful to watch. And all is mine. And here's another quote from an author named Michael Fairless, who wrote the book, The Road Mender. Now, this book is full of happiness. It's full of rejoicing. It's full of bird songs. It's, it's full of high dawns and sunsets. It's full of chatter of the lovely little river that Michael Fairless loved so much. But you may not know this. Michael Fairless is actually the pen name of a stricken woman. Confirmed invalid woman. Who wrote the road mender in a little tiny room that measured 10 by 6. Using her left hand, writing the book on a pad propped up on her chest. And here is her description of that tiny little lovely daffodil island in the midst of the river that she loved. Listen to what she wrote. It is mine to have and to hold without severing a single slender stem. 
or harboring a thought of covenantness. It's mine as the whole earth is mine to appropriate to myself without the burden and bane of worldly possessions. Now, let me ask you, which one of these people extended their personality in the most valuable and satisfying way? The rich man who said, look at as far as your eyes can see is mine, but it causes me worry. Or Richard Jeffries, who died, was dying of tuberculosis, said, it's all mine. I don't need pets. I have the hawks that fly over my head. Which one? You see, the Bible, the Bible doesn't disapprove of wealth. Jesus would not disapprove of wealth, but making money. Everybody say making money. Making money, really, when you think about it, it's a real challenging way uh, to, uh, of, of extending your personality. Because somebody said, for every new level, there's a new devil. And I've always told people, I said, look, if you won't, if you won't tithe and give off of $500 a week, you won't tithe and give off of $5,000 a week. You know, and we, and we, we make these great vows. You know, if I have a million dollars, I'm going to do this for my church. I'm going to do this for my city and all that. But I've seen so many people not keep those vows. You understand what I'm saying? So this is why I'm saying it's a real challenge when you begin to make money and lots of money to extend your personality in a valuable and an integrity way. In fact, let me be clear. There's nothing wrong with making money. You can have you you can have more fun with money. You can have influence with money, and you know what else? You can actually use your influence and power of wealth to help a weary traveler along the way. To me, making money is like it's like dr- driving a car versus a bicycle. Driving a car is much more dangerous than riding a bicycle, isn't it? Because with a car, you can hurt others and you can risk hurting yourself. The speed and weight of that car spells danger. I'd much rather land in a ditch underneath of a bicycle than I would underneath of a car. So you just got to understand I'm extending my personality in this way, but I have got to have some valuable spiritual roots in order to sustain my integrity with my family and my God. Now, here's the other key. If, if the possession of things is an extension of a dedicated soul, then all is well. Because you can do more good with that money that you're making. But at the same time, it's wise to not to be blind at the strange things that money can do to us all. Money has an odd effect to make you think you're secure, but it's only material security. If we were only material beings, physical beings, then the right thing would do to do would be to extend our personality by accumulating as many things, cars, houses, get them all as 
much as possible. But we're not just material beings. We're not just physical. We are spiritual beings. And if your spirit is deceived by money, then you are a dangerous case. In fact, death may be the very amputation that leaves you very little personality to enjoy heaven. We talk about streets of gold and walls of jasper and gates of pearl. We're materialistic minded because the focus of heaven is not streets of gold, walls of jasper and gates of pearl. The focus of heaven is Jesus Christ. The one who died for me and rose again on the third day. And there are actually people that have lived on earth that has had walls of jasper and gates of pearl. They've had all that and they're still not satisfied. We need the, I'm sure we need to heed the Bible warning and not to extend our personality in just in things we're going to leave behind. I'm sure we should heed the Bible warning to not extend our personality in things that could cripple us. Do you know that you may find out that the best extension of your personality was the, the life that flowed out of you into others? Because the sad thing about this is that when possessions become an end, then people become a means. And then we love our neighbor for ourselves and not as ourselves. God has put you and I in a school. They call it the school of hard knocks. I call it the school of the world. And God has put us in a school knowing that the human suffering that that we have to do, the human suffering, the frolic and uh, the folly and the sin that causes his children to suffer can also be used uh, as a way of discipline, just like a school disciplines and has rules for their students. I remember growing up, I didn't like school. I wanted, I tried to stay out of school, but it didn't work. My mother said, you're going to school. But I, I looked and I remember students in my school and it almost seemed like their parents didn't care because they missed so much. They, the teacher would call the name, Jones, present. Smith, not here. Next week, Smith, not here. Next week, Smith, not here. It seemed like their parents just did not even care whether they were in school or not. And I remember telling, I don't want to go to school. Mom said, you're going to school. But isn't that a perfect illustration of what we say to God? We say, God, I don't want to go through the school. I don't want to go through the tests and the trial and the suffering. I just, I just want to be happy, God. God, why do you allow my family to go through so much suffering? Why are we tested so much, God? Listen, we must once and for all drop the idea that love is an indulgent beneficence. It is not. Love is a loving discipline. And when I ask my heavenly father to allow me to escape school, I am asking for lesser love from him. 
There's an old saying that a family goes from muck to muck in three generations. So you have the father. He wants to build a life. He wants to start a business. He works hard. He sacrifices, self-denial, long hours of work. And he builds it up because he wants to create a good life for his family. And then he brings his son along in the business. But he shields him from the tests and the trials. He shields him from the hardships. And forgetting that it was the hardships that made him what he had become. And then the third son comes along. The third generation comes along. And, and, and it's the same thing over again. So you have the failing initiative of enterprise. And so the story ends with the business going down and living back in the muck again. I think you need to clearly understand. Lloyd, hurry up. That is a tribute to our worth when God does not let us out of school. Love pays such a tribute to your worth that God will not spare you from the pain and the suffering because he uses it to break the evil hold on your life so good can be achieved. If God, if God had taken the same attitude with me and you as the father deciding that his son was not worth educating, he would be loving us less. The father just said, leave him alone. But he's not going to be responsible. That's all right. He's going to be happy. Leave him alone. But he lies. That's all right. He's happy. In other words, the father just saying, I don't care. Just let him alone. Just as long as he is happy. That's all that matters. But God doesn't treat us like that. We belong to him. God doesn't love you because you're smart, you're clever, or you serve you. He loves you because you are his. And he cares what you make out of your life. You don't care about the neighbor's kid down the street because he's not your responsibility. He's not yours. But your son, your daughter, you won't tolerate the lying. You won't tolerate the cheating. Ah, You won't tolerate the untidiness. You won't tolerate the rebellion. Why? Because he is yours. And you want to extend your personality through him that brings honor, not shame. If you could imagine a picture, a poem, or a sonata while they come to the music. I mean, this is just such a beautiful illustration. If you could hear a, a picture that's being painted... A poem that's being written. A sonata that's being crafted. If one of these three or all that could talk, I guarantee you, you would hear, would you just leave me alone? I don't want to be different. You're taking too long making me. You're taking too long writing me. I'm good enough now. Please, I just want to be left alone, the poem says. Please, I look good enough, the picture says. Please, I sound, I play good enough, the sonata says. Winston Churchill said the great thing about oil painting is that you can take the palette knife and scrape the paintings off again and fix them and make them better again. Tennyson altered nearly every line in his memoriam. Handel set up hungry days and hungry nights, improving his work. Chopin, Chopin 
would shut himself in his room for days and weeks. Walking, weeping, writing that music. Breaking pens. He would alter one bar a hundred times. One time he spent six weeks writing one sheet of music. Six weeks. Can't you see the high compliment that God's paying you when he says, you're my workmanship. I'm making you. Can't you see the high compliment that God is paying you when he says, I'm the potter, you're my clay. I am molding you. Oh my God, please don't get impatient with him. Because his future for you is bigger than your future for yourself. The things that he has in store for you, your eyes have not seen it, your ears have not even heard it, it hasn't even entered in you. You must keep going. You can't quit. You can't give up. And you can't become impatient. And you can't say, leave me alone, God. I don't want any more tests. I don't want any more trust. No, you can't say that because that's what is going to make you. Oh, my Lord. Our life is so short. Oh, so short. I got a new hero. You know who he is? My 84-year-old brother who went to heaven one year ago. Big brother Vern, second oldest in my family. Oh, my Lord. He, he was a pastor for years and then he retired. He was the most content person I've ever met. I was driving with him one day. This is my big brother. You know when you come from from 19 kids, you've got like three or four different generations of ages there. (laughs) Years ago, I was driving with Vern. He never pastored a large mega church. Oh, but he loved being a pastor of his sheep. We were driving one day. I said, Vern... I said, my God, you, you, you got the pure skin. You don't even look your age. You've got great hair. I got no hair. And I'm like 50 years younger than you. And I said, Vern, you're the most contented, happy person I know. I said, Vern, what's your secret, man? Here's what he said. He said, Lloyd, since the day God saved me, I've lived a clean life. Number two, I... I don't let stress stress me. That was it. And that was life changing for me. Now I'm going to tell you why he's my hero. Because one year ago, I couldn't go to Canada and be there with him when he passed. But I FaceTimed one day, like just maybe two or three days before he passed. He's in the hospice full of cancer he's in hospice and they put the FaceTime on him and I said hey big brother hey Lloyd I said how you doing thumbs up that's what he did I am great I'm getting ready to go to heaven Lloyd and he smiled there was not one thought of worry he, he said, I mean, it was the most beautiful 
experience I've ever seen of a man. He, he, he didn't say, Lord, pray that God will heal me. Uh-uh. He said, no, Lord. He said, I've done my work. I've run the race. I've finished my course. My best is yet to come. I want to leave this world and I'm going to smile again and I'll see you later. That was amazing. What was the secret? He extended his personality in the ways of God, in the things of God. Bishop Hurd is going to come and then I'm going to pray a special prayer over this place because God told me to pray this prayer and I'm telling you today is the day of promotion amen God bless you everybody God bless you God bless oh lift your hands and just begin to thank God for what he's doing in you it's bigger than your dreams it's bigger than your imagination what a presence of the Lord that is here Amen. And I would be at fault if after him telling that story about Vern, I never did get to meet Vern, but I knew about him because Lloyd and his brother Morton would tell me what they were going through and and what Vern was facing. But I would be remiss if I didn't give somebody in this building a chance to give their heart to God right now. How can you be lying on your deathbed? with cancer in your body and look at someone else a loved one, a brother and say I'm good I'm getting ready to go to heaven unless you know that there's a better place waiting for you than what you have right here Amen and if you've never resolved that question you need to resolve it right now while every head is bowed. Who in this building would slip up a hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to give my heart to God. Keep raising them across the building. God bless you. God bless you. Keep raising them. I see many hands being raised right now. If you're at home and you're watching this and you've never given your heart to God, right there in your living room, just raise your hand and say, me too, Pastor. I want to give my heart to God. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus. We come before you today humbly confessing our many sins and our imperfections. But also confessing that we believe the blood of Jesus Christ is greater than our failures. And we ask you to come into every heart and every life. And we believe in the efficaciousness of your blood that is being applied right now. And that forgiveness is abundant and great. And our sins are being cast into the sea of forgetfulness at this very moment. And we thank you today. And we thank you for being our Lord. And we welcome you. Let's everybody welcome these that have just prayed that prayer. Amen. Amen. We welcome you. You've taken your first step as a new child of God. But don't stop there. Go on and do three other things if you would. Number one, get baptized and follow the example that Christ set in the instruction he gave us. And be baptized in the precious name of our Lord and Savior for the remission of your sins. Number two, 
go on and be filled with the power of the infilling of the Holy Spirit so that you may live the Spirit-filled life. And number three, become a disciple of Jesus Christ. You will see on the screen that you can text to any one of those words, prayer if you need prayer, salvation if you just gave your heart to God, or baptism. You can text to that number or you can capture the QR code. You can also text to that number and you can simply write join and you can become a part of a daily devotional list. I write a daily devotional every day, it includes a, a verse of scripture we expound on briefly, uh, a worship song and a prayer that we pray together. And that way, literally the whole church is able to go to devotion every day together and you can join us and you can go deeper with God. Right now, I think we're approaching 1,750 families that have joined this devotional and we can't sign you up. You've got to do it yourself. And so if you'll text to that number, simply text the word join or go to the QR code. But I, I want to say this. I just had to do what I just did because the call of God was so strong in the building at that moment for people to give their hearts to the Lord. But we have heard an incredible word from God today. I don't want God to ever stop working on me. I don't want God to say, it's okay, you can stay home from school. I really don't care. I, I want to go to school. I want God to send me. I don't want him to stop working on the imperfections of my life. Don't ever want him to do that. Lloyd, I, I'm going to ask you to do that song again, if you don't mind, just a verse of it. And just to, in fact, I'm going to ask the ushers to come right now. I want us to sow into the ministry of this man of God and the word we've just received. They're going to pass out envelopes. Would you just lift your hand to the Lord and say, Lord, don't ever stop working on me. Yes, don't ever stop. Don't ever stop. You know what we do? We have certain areas of our life and we say, God, you can work on these. But this over here, really prefer you to not touch that. Bless me because of these, but kind of look the other way. Yeah, yeah. With this. You remember the leper Naaman? He came looking to be healed and Elisha the prophet didn't even get out of his easy chair and just said go wash in the, the, the river Jordan dip seven times and Naaman became angry. We all know the story. But then afterward the little servant girl said now look if they had told you to do some great thing you would have done it. All he's asking you to do is just dip seven times and, and she appealed to Naaman to remove the emotion from the equation. Oh, wow. Because most of us act out of emotion rather than logic. And so she got him to lift the emotion, extract the emotion out of this, and then do what logic would tell him to do. And logic would say, this is not a big task. Let me obey the prophet. And the moment he dipped seven times on the seventh time, he was healed. And he turned around and he went back to the prophet's house. And this is what I want to tell you. That he, he thanked the prophet and then he said this. He said, just pardon me this one thing. 
because my master worships idols and he wants me to go to church with him and so he leans on my hand when he goes to church and if you would just I want to thank you for all the blessings over here and the healing and the getting rid of the leprosy and all of that and I'm grateful beyond words and I'm so glad I listened to the little servant girl but if you don't mind I got this one little area of my life that I'd like for you to overlook boy I don't want to be like that and years ago Lloyd wrote a song Lloyd and I have been friends for many years and we had a, a group of pastors that I was preaching in California and he was too and we all ended up at the same house and we were fellowshipping one day and there was a piano and we were just having devotions as pastors together and Lloyd wrote a song before that that he just felt impressed to sing and I will never forget it broke me I want you to listen to this and let this be your prayer as you sow father in the name of Jesus we sow this seed into the fertile soil of the ministry of Lloyd and Pam Bustard they're a gift to the body of Christ but especially to this church thank you for the miracles that we have received here thank you for the word that he's given in Jesus name and everybody shouted and said amen come on let me hear you has he been a blessing let me hear you amen Sing if you would, Lloyd, and then pray. I started on this journey Not seeking wealth or fame The only thing I want in life Is to bear His holy name I've had my share of problems And trials along the way when the mountain looks too high This is how I pray I want to be a man After God's own heart I want to be a man After God's own heart I might stumble at my fall but I'll get back up to hear the call To be man after God's own heart I wrote this on mission I can't live without you No matter what I try to do You're the reason to believe Your spirit is the air I breathe it's not a question, win or lose And it was never hard to choose And no matter what I do Still I just can't live Here's my heart Here's my soul Here's something
I want to pray a special prayer right now. I want you to stand with me if you would. I told you that this is promotion day. And I believe it's the perfect will of God after I preach this message to you. And remember, if a person's, if a preacher's got a message from God, I will tell you this. If it's a real message from God, he's preached it to himself first. God is doing an incredible work in Pam and our lives. Incredible work. I'm realizing more than ever, only what's done for God is going to last. That's everything else. The U-Haul's not going to follow the hearse to your grave. Everything else, nothing matters. There was a little boy who walked up to the disciples one day because Jesus was in a dilemma. There was over 5,000 men starved. And nobody had any food to feed them. But there was a little boy about nine years old who came to hear Jesus. And his mom had packed him a lunch, a few loaves and a few fish. And he walked up to the disciples and said, I want to give Jesus my lunch. And he can give it to the hungry men. And of course, the disciples said, son, we appreciate you offering, but what you've got is not going to go very far at all. We got 5,000 men here. But I remember what God told me to tell you today. And here's what it is. Whatever I touch is blessed. Whatever I touch multiplies and somebody told Jesus about the little boy and Jesus said bring him here he said that's the miracle right there and Jesus said give me your lunch son Jesus took those little fishes and bread and he held them up to the father and he said father I thank you for blessing this and then Jesus took it and all of a sudden he just started tearing the bread into pieces and he started taking the fish and just breaking it up and he's he started giving it pieces of the way through the disciples you go feed this and 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 it seemed like the more he broke the more it multiplied this is your promotion day i want you to take your wallet i want you to get your wallet if you have it with you Because I want to pray this because this is the will of God. I'm telling you. Because your wallet represents, it represents your needs being supplied, right? Your wallet represents your child's education. Your wallet represents college for your kids. Your wallet represents, if you've got a daughter, you're going to have to put it out for that wedding one day. Your wallet represents food on the table. It represents the light staying on. It represents gas in your car. Your wallet represents clothes for your children and for your family. Your wallet represents the house payment, the rent payment. 
but your wallet also represents your tithe and your offerings. and, And your wallet represents what the little boy did to Jesus. You can have mine. Because whatever Jesus touches is blessed. And here's what the Lord told me to do for you today. Because Pam and I are doing it. I see Pam's got our wallet. We're going to hold it up to Jesus. And we're going to ask him to bless it. How many is ready for a financial breakthrough in your family? So you won't have to worry about college fund? How many is ready for a breakthrough in your financial world? So you can be that good provider? How many believe in God for a debt-free house? Come on, this is the will of God. How many believe in God to have that car paid off? How many believe in God for these kind of breakthroughs? Well, look, whatever God touches, He blesses. Come on, I'm with you. Hold it up to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you right now for the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. And as Pam holds up our wallet, our finances, it represents our loaves and our fishes. God, we give it all to you again today. I give you my home. I give you my car. I give you my clothes on my back. I give you the food in the pantry, God. I'm not keeping anything because if I keep it, I'll destroy it. But if I give it to you, you can go, you can cause it to be blessed. You can turn a thousand dollars into a million dollars. God, so much is great when you are in it, God. So Father, right now, I know that this is promotion day for us all. I feel the faith is on fire in my soul today because Lord, I believe I believe that you brought us together for such a time as this. That even this week, miracles, financial miracles are going to begin to happen. I believe people are going to be getting phone calls this week. Lord, saying your debt has been canceled. Your bills are paid. Lord, we want to be eliminated from credit card debt. Lord, I stand with every mother and father and grandmother and grandmother right now. Lord, we want that harvest to be completed, not in our lifetime, but in our lifeline. So, Father, right now, as Inspire Church worships you right now, we release the financial glory of God in every family right now. Lord, it is yours. We're going to be great givers. We're going to be faithful tithers and hilarious givers, God. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for a debt-free home. I thank you for debt-free credit cards. I thank you for the college fund already in the bank for our children. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I just thank you for the glorious manifestation of your presence in our home right now. And Lord, this is promotion day. So Lord, when I walk out of these doors, when I walk out of these doors, my head will be higher than it's ever been. It won't be stuck up. I'll be proud in the right way. Because Lord, I know you heard my prayer. 
And I know that I have taken the burden off of my back and I have placed it in your hands. And you're going to take my burden and turn it into a blessing. Lord, I thank you for the miracle called the tomorrow. I thank you for the doors open Tuesday. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I will never ever be the same again because your Holy Spirit has done a fresh new work in the name of Jesus. Say it is done. It is done. It is done. Tell your neighbor it is done.